This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. We are here today at the Humerian Health Podcast, myself, Amy Baker, and I'm excited actually to be joined not by Dr. Sean Benzinger today. He had to step away, um, but we're here with Christina Conlin, whose name our listeners might not know, but she hides behind our social media channels. Yes. She's very familiar with the Humerian <laughs> brand, and we're super excited to have her with us. And Mostly, we are very excited to have a couple joining us um, who have authored a book called Dress to Kill. It's um, they're Sydney Ross Singer and Soma Grissmeyer. So welcome, you guys, to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And so um, you both are medical anthropologists. Is that correct? Yeah. What, what, I, what we do is we look at how the culture makes us sick. Um, um, I have a background in medicine, biochemistry, and anthropology, and I was very disillusioned by medicine um, when I was in medical school because of its focus just on uh, treating disease, especially with uh, you know surgery and drugs, and very little on prevention. And as we know, disease prevention is so much more important than treatment because it's you know an ounce of prevention and so forth. Mm. And also, most of our diseases are caused by our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I mean, the World Health Organization, yeah, like 60% or more of what we suffer from and die from is related to our culture and the lifestyles it gives us. So um, Soma is, um, she she ran the Good Shepherd Foundation, still runs it with me, and we, uh, which is interested in, in human, animal, and environmental health issues. And when I met Soma, I uh, we, we just decided to start a whole new field of investigation that looks at lifestyle and okay. culture. And it's, it's called Applied Medical Anthropology. And what we do is we try to find how our culture makes us sick by looking at different things we do, our attitudes and behaviors, and how they lead to disease. And uh, it was just by accident that we got into the breast cancer issue um, mm-hmm. when Soma discovered a lump in her breast while pregnant with our son. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. And so um, I didn't kind of fully introduce your book at the beginning, but Dress to Kill is now in its second edition and the, has a subtitle, The Link Between Breast Cancer and Bras. And so, yeah, I, I guess I would love to hear sort of the backstory of of the book and how it, how it came to be. And then I, I have a personal interest in bras because, I mean, this is a pretty intimate topic. So I feel <laughs> I feel like we should go intimate already. Like, I'm a big-breasted woman, so when I read the material that you provided, I'm like, no, no, no way. Like, <laughs> so I'm very interested to, to really dig into both the research um, in the book and just kind of how you've arrived at the some of the conclusions and the observations that you've had. So, so yeah, just maybe tell us that, that backstory about the book itself. Well, I'll start with how it all began, and that was with my lump that I discovered. We were in Fiji doing research on a totally different thing um, on a remote island. I was out um, washing my uh, clothing and hung a couple of bras on the line to dry. And a young Fijian woman came over to me and looked at them and said, oh, what are these? (laughs) And I had to describe (laughs) what they were and why I wore them. (laughs) And it was the first time I really thought about it. I mean, it's just something that women do. You know, you get your training bra, you, you don't think about it. And then she pulled it and, and stretched it a little and said, well, isn't it tight? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I guess so, but you get used to it. Yeah. 
that was the beginning of, uh, well, actually about a week later is when I discovered a lump in my breast, which was scary, obviously. Right. We rushed back to the United States to figure out what was going on and hopefully deal with it. I was pregnant at the time, so I didn't want to go through the x-rays or mm-hmm. any of that. And we started researching um, what could cause this. Well, when we first got back and I took off my clothes to take a shower, we looked at my breasts and saw those deep red grooves in the skin that almost all women have when they're wearing their bras too tightly, as most women do. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that we thought was, wow, it's tight, it's constriction. And I, I thought back on that conversation I had with that young Fijian woman. And it just suddenly popped into my mind that, wow, could this be? And we did more research into that and and suddenly thought, well, you know, nobody's really looked at this that we could find in all the research literature that we, that we checked out. And we started our long journey into researching this topic as a potential cause of breast problems. Um, let, me, let me explain um, the issue of uh, why constriction would be a problem. Yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah. Now, it, it has to do with, uh, with an organ that was in the news, uh, well, recently, like last week. I don't know if you've heard about uh, the interstitium, no, uh, a new organ no. that, oh, that they discovered. Yes. yes, I did hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, the, the lymphatic system is something that is pretty much um, poorly, poorly understood since its discovery, um, you know, more than 100 years ago. I mean, there's very little advancement that's happened in that field. Uh, until recently, they're realizing that the fluid in our, in our tissues, you know, it flushes. That's the lymph fluid that bathes the cells. Mm-hmm. It, has, it has to flush to the lymph nodes, which are factories for white blood cell production. And if whatever toxins you take into your body, it courses through your bloodstream, gets delivered to the cells and the tissues, and the waste products from the cells and these toxins and any bacteria, viruses, or cancer cells that are produced in your body, they, they are all flushed towards the lymph nodes for the immune system to react. So the immune system's circulatory pathway is the lymphatic system. And these are tiny vessels, lymphatic vessels, are tiny vessels that start in your tissue space. They're microscopic. They have one-way valves that keep the lymph flowing from the tissues to the nodes, and eventually the fluid gets back into your bloodstream. Um, and if an immune response is needed, your lymph nodes swell. Mm-hmm. So then you know you're fighting, you're fighting something. Now, the thing is, when they, they, there's a new organ now that they realize, which is like pre-lymphatic, the actual tissue space that holds the fluid that then goes into the lymphatics, that they're calling the interstitium now, and they realize they haven't even noticed this stuff because when they use, when they take tissue slices, when the pathologist looks at your body and they, they take a tissue slice and look at it under a microscope, this space immediately collapses because it's a, it's a space held open by your connective tissue that has uh, fluid in it, and you cut the tissue, that fluid drains out, mm-hmm. and then the space collapses and looks you know, like a, like a, a more uh, a thick uh, connective tissue band, you don't really see that it had been inflated. So they're now realizing the importance of this and that cancer cells flow through this. This is how cancers, they spread, but it's also how they are fought. Huh. Because if if you have, if you impair the lymphatic flow, 
which is called lymphstasis. Stasis is like stagnation, keeping still. Mm -hmm. So if the lymphatics aren't allowed to flow because you're wearing something tight, let's say, or if there's a surgical scar, which is they've, they've, new research just came out, they're showing that surgical scars cause cancer because it impairs the lymphatics because a part of the body then becomes, it can't drain properly the lymph nodes. And, you know, cancer cells, when they start developing, they have immune markers on them that let your body know that they're, they need to be attacked. And those travel through the lymph, to the lymph nodes. And the lymph nodes can't adequately see this because there's either constriction from an external garment, like a bra, or there's internal fibrous tissue that, that develops from uh, incisions. Then you end up having this uh, lymph flow gets impaired, the lymph stasis, and this cancer can't be fought. So it actually increases cancer development. And these are new studies that just came out, like in February of this year. And they're, they're just proving that lymph stasis causes cancer. Although, interestingly, they knew bras were causing cancer back in the 1930s. Ever since there have been bras, they've been tight and causing health problems, and doctors knew back then that lymph stasis caused cancer, and even the head of the Mayo Clinic who started, Dr. Mayo, he, in 1931, in the Annals of Surgery, wrote uh, how bras are causing breast cancer, constricting the breast. In cultures where they don't wear bras, you have very little breast disease. And as soon as those people move to bra-wearing cultures, their rates, they start wearing bras and their their rates just shoot up. So um, that's that's the mechanism. We're basically tying up our immune system by impairing it with tight clothing, especially bras. And that's also why women get breast cysts, which is so common. Breast cancer is the tip of the iceberg. That's like the end disease. Mm -hmm. So many more women suffer from breast pain and breast cysts because of their tight bras. And these cysts are filled with the lymph fluid that can't adequately escape. Most of it has to go to the armpit lymph nodes, the fluid. And if you imagine a bra and where the lines that the bra leaves in your body, it's like basically encapsulating your breasts and sometimes even squeezing into it, especially with an underwire and a bra cup that's too small. And it's really compressing right into the breast tissue, way up into the side. And it's you look at where the red marks are and you basically are seeing a pressure uh, barrier to the proper drainage of lymph from the breast to the lymph nodes. So the breasts get tender, especially before your period, because when the menstrual period comes, your estrogen peaks, and that increases fluid retention, so your breasts are even bigger, and you're wearing the same size bra, so it's even tighter, so it's more pain, and the cysts get worse, and doctors will needle aspirate, this, pull the fluid out of with a needle on a lot of women year after year because they don't know what's causing this fluid buildup and these cysts. It's, it's caused by the bras. And there have been studies that show, and I've had so many women over the 25 years that we've been dealing with this, women report when they get rid of their bras, their breast pain goes away really quickly, their cysts go away, and their breasts actually lift in tone because the natural suspensory ligaments in the breast regain their strength. They've been like supported artificially, the breast is supported artificially by a bra. It's like having your arm in a sling, your muscles atrophy, the ligaments atrophy. Well, the breasts have been in the bra since puberty. Every day, you're going to have poorly developed um, ligament structures in the breast, they're weak, and they do regain their strength, especially in, in premenopausal women. So uh, it's been, that's what's been keeping this issue um, just growing over all these years because women try this and they feel, wow, 
I could see my bra has been harming me. Interesting. And so you mentioned there have been several different studies and things dating back even to the 1930s. But um, my understanding is you, you guys have actually done some of your own study work as well for the last, what, 20 years mm-hmm. or 30 years? Can you talk a little bit about the research well, that you've been doing? Yeah. Well, in, in when, when Soma just, when we went through all this experience, you know, we thought, Somebody had to have looked at the bra. I mean, this is so obvious. If if you have a foot problem and your feet are hurting, what's the first thing you think about? Your shoes, right? That's true. And if you have, if you if you're coughing all the time, you you think about am I smoking? And, and there's that connection. Although that took 30 years and 7,000 studies before the Surgeon General admitted smoking was causing cancer, because medicine is very conservative and very slow to change, especially when it's industry that's causing problems. They don't like to challenge. And doctors themselves were smoking and promoting it mm-hmm. as a healthy thing to do. Yeah. And we're running into the same situation here with uh, women, women researchers, women doctors, who just, they wear bras and they don't want to think that they're actually causing their own problems. Mm-hmm. So, so let me get back to the study we did. So we found that that really hasn't been looked at. And, and when we looked at this, the Internet wasn't what it is now where you can find things way back and great research. But So we, we didn't realize that um, there was one study done in 1991 out of Harvard that found bra-free women had after-rated breast cancer or looked at that then compared to bra wearers. Different, turn that around. Wearing a bra increased the rates 100% in that study. But they were looking at something else. They didn't know why that was a factor, and it, they sort of dismissed it, even though it was a huge, important lead. We didn't know about that. The media told me about it years later after our book came out. But we did our own study between 1991 and 93, where we interviewed nearly 5,000 women throughout five major cities in the U.S. Half of them had breast cancer, and we asked them what their past bra-wearing habits were. And we figured if they're wearing, if there's, if this is real, then um, their bra-wearing attitudes and behaviors should be different from other women who don't have breast cancer. Um, and that's what we found. It was amazing. It was the first study ever to look at this directly, bras and breast cancer. That, the, mm. the Harvard study was looking at something totally different. Interesting. And, um, yeah, it was. We found basically bra free women have about the same rate of breast cancer as men. And the, high, the longer and tighter they wear their bras daily, the higher their rates rise to over 100 times higher for a bra free woman compared to a, um, a, bra, a 24 hour uh, bra wearer. So that's the difference between men and women in breast cancer, for instance. Men get breast cancer too, but mm-hmm. it's at 100th the rate of women. So women get it 100 times more frequently than men. And if you don't wear a bra, your rates go down very close to male rates. That's so, amazing. Because there is a, yeah, there's a small genetic component to breast cancer, like 5%. Medicine says they don't know 70% of the cases what's causing it. And, and that they're ignoring the bra link because for reasons we can talk about. But um, and it's um, but we think that's what's causing it. it it's the bra issue. And, of course, Soma got... Um, she got rid of her bra and her lump went away and we've been uh, just, we feel like we've discovered this hugely important link. It's, it's bigger than cigarettes and lung cancer. It's mm-hmm. like four times bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's because it relates to the culture and how women think about their bodies and the fashion industry and the cancer industry, which once women 
continuing to be afraid so that they'll come for mammograms for detection and then treatment. Um, you know, there, there's this whole system right now that has an institution. Breast cancer has become an institution. Right. And the bra is, is such an icon of fashion that challenging it, especially in the early 90s, was, is, it was very difficult. Yeah. So our book, Dress to Kill, was published in 95 by uh, Avery Publishing, and it went around the world. It's in several languages, and it's it, over the years, and we're talking now, that was 1995, and over the years, there's now been new research done internationally. There's at least 30 studies that have been done. Almost all of them are showing a brown breast cancer link. Uh, one study was done to try to disprove it. It was really interesting. It hmm. was done with funding from the, National, from, from the National Institute of Health, which recently has been exposed. I just saw an article like yesterday about how NIH accepts alcohol money and is um, trying to downplay the effect of alcohol on health. And industry has a huge um, impact and uh, influence Interesting. in NIH and what they fund. Yeah. So they funded a study to disprove this in, the, in 2014 that didn't include any bra-free women. It just included postmenopausal lifetime bra users and, and compared with those with, with and without breast cancer to see if there was a difference and in bra wearing, and they couldn't find any, but they excluded bra-free women, so you have no control group. And it was designed specifically, they even said, you know, they had a hard time admitting why they wanted to do the study, because if they do the study, they have to admit it's a legitimate question, but they didn't even want to admit that. Yeah. So they said, we're doing this to basically show that this is not the case. So it was propaganda. And, you know, that that's what they stand behind now, like the American Cancer Society, will say, no, there's no link, there's no evidence. And one study looked at it and said there's nothing. Well, so one and of the... One, the way they, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm finished. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so one of the things that... Um, so we talked actually quite a bit about this podcast before getting on the on the phone with you How guys. How could you not? I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's been uh, a series of uh, lots of conversation. Um, but what I one of the, one of the things I found super interesting was the fact that so I like I read the information and I was skeptical and I think you hit on something earlier on about how much the media tells us as women about you know what we should look like and wearing bras yeah. and you know those sorts of things and so it's it I was shocked kind of to step back and think about how how hard it was for me to consume information where I consider myself wellness minded I want to do the best thing for my body but when I read this information I was like oh come on like really, I, like I just don't see society as a place where women can be bra free, and so I guess I'm kind of curious from maybe from your perspective, Soma. You I mean you made that transition? It sounds like, and I mean I've heard movie stars have done it and whatever, but like I just can't wrap my mind around the story of what that looks like in my own life as a woman having worn a bra, right. like you said, since like puberty yeah, until now, like. Right. It's so common. I mean, that's yeah. just what our society does. Society does. So that's just what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's been really it's interesting to hear that. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So what do you? I mean, what would you guys recommend that women wear instead? You know, if if wearing a bra okay, isn't well. <laughs> <laughs> just nothing. Yeah. Just <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. I'll I'll go back to my own experience. Obviously, I was afraid of the lump and, and in panic mode, and 
the thought of getting rid of my bra made me even more panicked right. <laughs> because right. we're so conditioned. Yeah. We're so conditioned to think we need one and we have to have this certain shape, this certain look. I mean, we have been so brainwashed as women to think we have to look a certain way. And it took um, just trying it because I was desperate and thinking maybe this would help. I got rid of my bra. I didn't want to go out in public for a while. I felt I mm-hmm. felt uh, embarrassed. I thought yeah. everyone would notice. And, oh, my God, how, you know, I would feel terrible. It's it's a psychological trip that we put on ourselves. Yeah. Our, my breasts wouldn't be in the right position, you know. <laughs> I mean, right. um, and when you think about it, it's kind of crazy. But, but that's how we are as women. We've been conditioned to feel we need to, that broad look, you know. Yeah. We need to look like 16-year-olds all of our lives if it's our breasts perky and up in the right spot and the right shape. Well, um, what I discovered on myself was that when I took off my bra, I slowly got the courage to go out in public and so forth. I realized that nobody noticed. Um, well, a few people maybe, but if they did notice, <laughs> if they did notice, they didn't care. Number two. Yeah. And if they did care, I'm sure they really didn't. But if they did care, hey, it's my body, it's my right to not wear this thing. Yeah. This is, you know, this is crazy to have to feel that you have to have that look. Well, over the years now, it's gotten more and more acceptable <clears throat> to be in public without a bra. Where we live in Hawaii, um, at least half the women here don't wear bras. Mm-hmm. It's very, very common. And um, more and more actresses and other people that hear about this information dump the bra, and they're very happy about <laughs> it. There are ways of <laughs> there are ways of making yourself in the in the beginning at least feel more comfortable, and that is just by wearing the right types of clothing. I mean, if you wear a vest or a, a, just a other camisole kind of covering a t-shirt underneath your clothing, just something to keep you from jiggling too much or to cover your nipples. Um, there are lots of ways of dressing where it's just really unnoticeable to the outside viewer, but to mm-hmm. you, after you get through the initial discomfort, mostly psychological discomfort, you realize how comfortable you are. Mm-hmm. You can breathe. You can move better. And when you step back <clears throat> and think about the fact that you've been wearing this tight band around your chest every day of your life since puberty, you think, wow, of course that could cause problems. My mm-hmm. goodness, it's so kind of obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just, just getting over the initial few days, few weeks of discomfort, and you'll realize how wonderful it is, how liberating it is, and how much better you feel, both physically and psychologically and emotionally. And it relieves the fears of breast cancer when you realize that this literally is the largest and most significant cause of breast cancer. You know, I, I wanted to add something to that. Over the years, there have been bra manufacturers that have contacted us uh, trying to uh, first congratulating us and saying that their patents are based on our research and our book, Dress to Kill. What? And, you know, <laughs> it, yeah, Interesting. they actually have come up with They've come up with lots of new bras that are supposed to be better for your lymphatics and uh, mm-hmm. not as constrictive. Underwire bra sales have recently, like in the last year, they have just 
um, underwriters are no one's buying them. I mean, the sales are way down. Push-up bras, way down. And bralette sales and non-underwire bras, you know, even sports bras, which could be too tight, by the way, but sports bras and bralettes, the sales are, are way up. That's and true. These, Very uh, trendy. We've never, endor- we've never endorsed any bra because we didn't want to be perceived as having any conflict of interest. However, um, I will say that because the bra industry has come up with new designs that are brought, that are un- no underwire, organic fabrics, so you don't have any toxins in the fabric, because that's another thing, you know, um, everything you put, antiperspirants, all these things you put on your, your underarms and breast area, and in the bra itself, I mean, a lot of clothing has formaldehyde, which is a carcinogen, and other types of chemicals in the processing and preservation of these things. Uh, they don't want insects in them, so even if they're organic, organically grown, they may be stored with pesticide to keep moths from eating the stuff. So when you put these yes. clothing on your body, yeah. intimately associated with your skin and your sweat, you start absorbing this stuff. And you know our bodies have a great way of healing despite all this. I mean, there are people living in all sorts of toxic environments who live to be relatively old, and you wonder how can they do it. Well, our bodies have a way of detoxing. If the circulation is good, you need to have proper circulation, especially of the lymphatics, to flush the tissues out of all these toxins. So um, we're encouraged that there are new bra designs, and if you wear one and it doesn't leave red marks, and you only wear it for a certain amount of time a day, less certainly less than 12 hours a day, and you uh, massage your breasts to relieve any congestion, uh, you know, then you could, you you know, there might not be a problem wearing a bra. But what I recommend and what we've recommended over the years, try, you, you need to be, you need to find out for yourself whether your bra has been harming you or not. And the way to find that out is stop wearing it for two two weeks to a month. You'll find out usually when women do this, even if they thought right now, they in the beginning, they said, no, my bra is not a problem. You know, it feels fine. I don't have any problem. When they take off that bra and stop wearing it for that amount, for just a few weeks, they won't be able to put that bra back on and say it's comfortable. They'll they'll say, oh, my God, this feels so tight. If you get used to the discomfort. Yeah, I totally would believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so so I'm going to continue to be a little bit of the skeptic because as I... Are you going to ask what I think you're going to ask? I don't... Sports bras? I am going to ask about... Well, because here's the thing, right? I mean, I didn't allude to I just outright like I am a big breasted woman and I play roller derby and the thought of playing roller derby without a bra on is not is not appealing (laughs) I mean it's it actually sounds like it might be downright painful so I mean I'm curious is like like are there times when yeah you probably actually should wear a bra just not all the time or like yeah how does that work yeah jumping jumping jacks jacks. yeah (laughs) yeah well yeah, men men when they're doing uh, exercising that you know creates too much bounce or whatever wears a jock strap. So, yeah, women could wear a sports bra when they're doing some exercising that requires a lot of bouncing around or whatever. Okay. So yeah, for short periods of time, it's probably no big deal. Gotcha. But take it off when you're done, you know, and make sure it's not really too tight as you're wearing it because exercise itself. It's important to keep your circulation flowing. I mean, that's yeah. one reason mm-hmm. we do exercise is to improve our circulation, our health. So you don't want anything too tight. If it seems like you're bouncing too much, try a sport that's a little more gentle, yoga, swimming, uh, 
biking, you know, things that don't require a lot of bounce if you're a large-breasted woman. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with wearing a bra temporarily for an activity where you want breast constraint, and that, mm -hmm. that's no problem. It, we're talking about women wearing bras every single day of their lives from puberty on for 12 yeah. to 18 to 24 hours a day. That's different than saying, okay, I'm going to be doing roller derby right now. I need a bra for a few hours, and then yeah. it's off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's... So it's like wearing tight shoes. You, you, when you go skating or skiing, I mean, you have really tight yeah. shoes on. And um, you don't want to wear things like that tight all the time. Gotcha. But while you're doing those activities, you know. Yeah. So you just have to. Um, but the biggest proof will be your own body sense. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've been telling women to just try it. Because, you know, you don't. this is not like a difficult we're not doing drug testing here or we need, all, you know, you just have to try it on yourself, not wearing something tight and see what, how it makes you feel. And, you know, I think that'll be the answer for you. Gotcha. Well, so that's, I, I love that in terms of a kind of a personal challenge or a personal test. Cause I, I mean, it's something that, I mean, anybody could try it, right? I mean, definitely and see what, what they, well, what happens, but I'm curious kind of what is the, then what is, what can we do as a society more at large? Like, is there current research that's happening? Is there a place where like women's voices can be heard to like influence society in this way? Yeah, like what, how change. to, yeah, how to, mm -hmm. how to like have a bigger impact? Like, what does that look like? Do you think? It's a good question. I, I think, um, well, first, I wanted to say we're doing we're starting an international bra free study, oh, where okay. women just it just yeah, and it's at brafreestudy.org. Okay. Or dot com, but brafreestudy.com, and it's free. You just sign up, and we're going to follow women for uh, ten years, keeping in touch with them. It's a long term study. We think this will be this group will be like a bra free group that'll be the standard for any studies that want to compare with bra free women. I'm sure this would be like the healthiest breasted women in the world. It's an international study. Cool. Okay. The other thing women women can do is, you, you know, there's there's all these movements that are happening now, actually, like the free the nipple movement. I don't know if you've heard of mm -hmm. that. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, we have. that's and and bra being bra free and top freedom. Women are asking why is it, especially younger women. I mean, they're questioning all of society's norms, and mm -hmm. they're asking why do we women have to wear bras but men don't? If I'm not comfortable with my bra, why do I have to work, you know, eight hours a day plus travel time to and from work, wearing this contraption that's making me uncomfortable that I think might be causing, you know, cancer or whatever? Should I be forced to wear these things? Why do dress codes require? Braziers for women, but yeah. not jock straps for men. Unless it's relevant to your to your uh, work, um, you know, there's no real reason to have to wear. You know, my breasts are in the wrong place. That's really a form of sexual harassment. And mm -hmm. someone recently wrote an article about that. Um, my Me Too moment with my bra. It's like hmm. uh, sexual assault to be forced to have to wear. You know, to, to have a certain breast shape where you're not accepted. You're sort of breast shamed, you know, there's fat shaming, there's sort of droop shaming, and women are not feeling, you know, that's something we have to get past. And the only way to do that is for women to just stand up and support one another and say, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be natural. We're going to, you know, nature did not design the woman's female form, even large-breasted women. And by the way, Soma has large breasts, so it's not like, oh, you Here can you get away with me. this yeah. if you're tiny. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
You know, um, and in fact, a large breasted bull, this is an interesting story in Fiji. We went back actually uh, several times to Fiji. The first time, as we said, we were not there for this at all. But we went back to do a follow up study there to our U.S. study because Fiji at the time when we were doing this, about half the women were bra free. And so we thought, okay, it's going to be a lot easier to see the difference there because in the United States, where most women are wearing bras, um, you know, it's hard to, to, to find the bra-free woman. That's also why we're doing this international bra-free study. So we went back to Fiji, and we, we found um, the only cases of breast cancer, we were looking for case histories that we could find, were in women who were wearing bras. And uh, if you're in the same village with the same diet and the same genetics, the women who had to work at a, like a Western resort or as teachers and um, nurses they had a Western dress code because that's what happens in these other cultures They that were previously bra-free. As they get modernized and westernized, working women start wearing bras, and then they start discovering that these are the women starting to develop breast cancer. That's what their health ministry told us. They were very excited when we went there to share our news with them. The health ministry in Fiji said, well, this explains why our teachers and nurses are starting to get breast cancer. And when I spoke with, with the nurses, they were saying, oh, we've been seeing so many cases of women getting breast problems now because they're being pulled to wear bras 24 hours a day by bra sellers who are saying, oh, this will keep your breasts perky. You need to wear a bra. And, uh, you know, the fact is then we went to some large-breasted women and said, what do you think about bras? And this one woman said to me, who was very poignant, she said, I can't wear a bra. My breasts are too big. Bras are uncomfortable. So you go to America and they'll say, my breasts are big, I need a bra. You go to Fiji, they say, my breasts are too big, I can't wear a bra, it's too tight. Mm -hmm. So that shows you the cultural conditioning. If, you're, if you've been wearing a bra since you're 12 or 10 or whenever you hit puberty, then your breasts are going to be sort of reliant on this thing. You're like addicted. Mm -hmm. And to, to break the addiction takes some determination and courage, but you will be rewarded very quickly with much healthier breasts. And the bottom line is, you want healthy breasts. And this, the culture can go, you know, fashions have killed women ever since there have been fashions. Corsets were killing women for centuries, yep. constricting them to the point of disease. And there were health reformers trying to get rid of corsets. Women in China were binding their feet, or actually the men were binding their feet, uh, for like a thousand years, and it was causing the toes to even rot off because of the constriction from these shoes. You should look up some pictures of foot binding in China and what the feet ended up looking like. Mm -hmm. And there was no doubt what was causing that. But women, were, were they put up with it. And that's something I think women need to talk about. And, and I'll put Soma back on for this part of it, too, because um, it's really a conversation of of women's rights, women equality, women being respected, and not being just objects and objectifying their breasts to the point where they don't even feel they own them anymore. It's not your breasts. It's society's breasts. We're the, everyone else is looking at them and judging them and, and doing what they want to them. But the reality, they're your breasts, and you're going to have to suffer with the consequences of constriction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that. so it's it's how do you make a movement? It's happening. I think the bra industry is changing. The medical industry is researching uh, slowly because uh, funding can get cut. There's so much. You've got to realize what's going to happen. Bra, bra manufacturers have worried about underwires causing breast cancer for decades. 
they are so worried about class action lawsuits, just like tobacco has gotten. And they've been funding research, the brand industry, to try to keep it from looking at this, because if they have more influence they have on research, the less goes into looking at the bra link. And until there's a lot of studies, they won't be able to be sued. So they want to keep research down. As I said, it took 30 years for the tobacco cancer link to be acknowledged by the U.S. Surgeon General. 30 years. Doctors were still selling Camel cigarettes in the 1950s as the, the cigarettes that doctors prefer most. And it took 7,000 studies showing cigarettes were causing cancer for the Surgeon General to admit it, okay? So we're talking now about a couple of dozen studies being done worldwide that are showing this problem and huge amounts of, of suppression and blowback by the cancer industry, which is embarrassed because they've been telling women this is nonsense, go wear your bra and come for mammograms so we can find your tumor when it starts. And they, you know, they have an investment and they've been saying, like the American Cancer Society and the Coleman Foundation, they've been saying, no, there's no good evidence for this. This is absurd. And, you know, and then they did that study to try to disprove it so that they feel like everybody will just let this go away and just keep, keep coming for your mammograms. So I don't know how they're going to save face and start admitting that, oh, wow, yeah. And because there was a study, as I said, this year just came out, several studies coming out of dermatology, not breast cancer researchers, but dermatologists who are finding that lymph stasis or impairing your lymphatic flow causes cancer. And they're looking at skin cancer and the breasts are a skin organ. So um, they are now, right now, actually, I've been communicating with dermatologists around the world who are extremely excited about this because they never thought about external clothing causing the constrictions that they're talking about, which makes so much sense, but they never think outside the box or outside the body. These are mostly people who get tissue under microscopes. Yeah. So they're, they're seeing, you're seeing the small picture. They can't see the forest for the trees. And once you point out, we have chronic clothing constriction evidenced by marks and indentations in your skin. I mean, all of our elastic clothing, tight underwear, any tight socks, anything that constricts to hold on is actually impairing your circulation. Yeah. That's, and I mean, when all you're of young, this, you can get away with it. Yeah. I mean, this is such good information. I mean, it's interesting, right, that they're coming from a dermatology angle and it's like being tied into what you guys are finding on the breast care side of things. But it, as always, we never have enough time <laughs> on these podcasts. And I have a bunch more questions. So, I mean, one of the <laughs> things I wonder is if you guys might be interested in coming back at some point and continuing this conversation with us. I think that would be, I feel like we've just kind of scratched the surface yeah. and there's, there's so, much, so that, much. Yeah. There's so much we can do personally. <laughs> there's so much we can do like kind of corporately to talk about changing society and whatever. But um, unfortunately, we're out of time for today um but yeah if you guys would be well, willing to come back and share some more we would love to have you on again oh we'd love to come back yeah absolutely yeah. and let me in the meantime um i have a great resource oh great dress to kill yes is a great resource the book because yes. it's updated for 2018 and we included all the new research to, to date with and also um we describe our experiences with the American Cancer Society and and mm -hmm. all these all these other cultural resistance to this to change that um, that we've dealt with. So that's in Dress to Kill, okay. and so I highly recommend that. And the other thing is, 
you can go to our website for this issue, which is brasandbreastcancer.org. Oh, great. And that'll give you a lot of information. It'll give you the references. There's a link to the book. And um, the last on the references, the last one is my most recent uh, article, How Bras Cause Lymph Stasis and Breast Cancer. And that has uh, the, the newest studies that that have come out even since Stress to Kill was pu- just published. Oh, okay. And there's new stuff coming out. We're going to need a new edition probably in a year. So uh, you know, hopefully the research will continue. Everything is going in the right direction. Um, and we'd love to be back and, and talk more about it. In fact, I'd like to. what I recommend is I would like to challenge both of you to do your own bra-free study. If you want to join the international study, bra-free study, that's great. Or do it on your own either way and just um, let's talk about what your experiences were, how you felt, were you really shamed or was it all in your head? How do you feel? You know, women say their self-esteem improves because you no longer feel like you're inadequate naturally. Like you have to prop up your breasts to be, to be acceptable. Once you realize that's not the case, a lot of women say that they feel better about themselves emotionally and they also breathe better, they move better, and their breasts feel so much. Their cysts and pain are gone. Even if their, their premenstrual breast tenderness is less, if, if it's even there, they, they'd say, oh, I knew my period was coming because my breasts start hurting. And then their breasts don't hurt anymore because they're not wearing a bra. So if you just try that and then, you know, we, and have us back and we can talk about your experience, you can really speak firsthand. Does that sound like a reasonable we challenge? We have absolutely had our first challenge offered on this podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been, I think, one of the most interesting podcasts because no one's talking about this. And I think there's a lot of women that come home at 5 o'clock at night uh-huh. and they take their bra off and they are going to be rejoicing after hearing this podcast. <laughs> That's right. All the women unite and yes. say hallelujah That's right. because this, I think, is going to resonate with a lot of people. And we are so grateful. Thank you guys for being so passionate about this topic and thanks for taking the time to spend with us this has been really really informative thank you thank you for having us and um, I look forward to talking with you guys again great sounds good thanks Thanks so so much much. bye guys bye bye now Amy Baker Dr. Sean Benzinger Humarian Health Podcast spilling our guts for the well-being of yours that's right Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Humarian Health. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. 